Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this, what the fuckers. This is Mark Marin. Welcome to WTF. I am glad you're listening to the show. I've been on the road for weeks. I have not fully grounded myself back in Los Angeles. I still have congestion in my head. What happened to the regular cold? What happened to just getting a cold and having it go away? How come these viruses and bacterias, what do you mean how come? Of course they've built up a resistance to everything we put in our bodies to hold them back. Now you can't just get a cold. Now I'm like, I'm clogged up. I don't know when it's ever going to go away. When is it going to leave me? When is this thick, viscous goo going to stop coming out of my sinuses? On today's show, we've got Eddie Brill, who is a a veteran comic, but also books The David Letterman Show. Uh, I've had to deal with him uh, as a booker on The David Letterman Show and as a friend for years. And I'm sorry, people, but uh, we did the interview in Florida in Eddie's hotel room. So it is like uh, it's a couple of old Jews I'm not that old, but it's a, and he's a little older than me. But it's a couple of Jews sitting in a hotel room in Florida talking about show business. And a little after that, we're going to talk to my mother. I've decided because my father has such a uh, a presence on the show that uh, it's time to throw my mom a bone. My dad does the wellness segment. My mother uh, is now going to contribute to her, her her food segment. So look forward to Toby Marin's food segment uh, coming up on the show. I'd also like to uh, put some feelers out there. We would like somebody to write us a theme, some theme music for the show because we are using music we probably shouldn't be using. So I want to put that out there. And even though I am in a hotel room in Vancouver, hold on, wait for it, wait. Pow! Oh, I almost shit my pants, but I didn't because it's not just coffee.coop because I don't bring it on the road. You can go to WTFpod.com. And uh, go to the justcoffee.coop link. Go there. Put WTF in the coupon box. Get yourself a break on the coffee. They do have the WTF blend now. So get yourself some WTF coffee at justcoffee.coop. Put WTF in the coupon box. Dig it. I fucked up. I fucked up. We didn't record anything. We didn't record anything. Okay. Let's start again. Let's start again. I'm cool with it. Yeah. I, I just had it pushed on the test. I, I'm an idiot. So we, mm-hmm. Eddie and I have been talking for 20 minutes. We'll yeah. try to catch you up with what we've been talking about. <clears throat> um, my guest is Eddie Brill. He's a stand-up comic I've known for about 20 years. And uh, he's also now a booking Letterman. And he does the warm-up for Letterman. And he still works every spare second. I think this is probably the only time you've had a vacation. Well, Thanksgiving, but I have to work tonight, tomorrow, and Saturday. Because why? To Sunday, because I'm doing the Letterman show for the first time in a bunch of years. I just didn't book myself on the show. I'd done the show a lot. I was going to say, you know the booker. I, Maybe I sleep with him every night. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing. That bastard. If you can't get on, how are you going to help anybody else? <laughs> I know. He's a tough, tough sell. The funny thing is, though, when you got the job, I remember all of us, it was, it was it was like I was thinking about it at my mother's house because we're both down here visiting our mothers for Thanksgiving. Right. And I was thinking about it. It was like it was like when, you know, uh, you know De Niro and Ray Liotta, when Pesci was getting made, you know, like yeah. all the comics were like, Eddie's going to be the guy. <laughs> we know Eddie. Eddie's a great guy. Thank God he didn't get taken out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you see me in like this field in plastic bags. I'll tell you, awful. you're the only one that I know out of all those guys 
that nobody has a bad word to say. They love you. They think you're a mensch. And they, you well, know, you know, the people who don't get booked, you know, they say bad things a lot. And it's always their, you know, their own shit. You know, it's their, I mean, not always. But I one thing as being a comic, I remember when I auditioned for Letterman, I auditioned like five times. I didn't get it until like the fifth time. And I didn't understand what the difference, because no one ever, I, no one was approachable to me. Yeah. And I remember seeing some of the bookers of the shows just being kind of like, you know, hoity-toity and, you know, acting like they were superstars. And I thought, well, the, the one thing I would do if I booked it would not be that guy. Be the other guy, the approachable guy, the honest guy. Look, if you can't do the show, I'm not going to string you along. I'm just going to tell you why, yes or no. And I put as many comics as I can. And I have. You know, there are years I only had 12 comics on the show a whole year. And uh, so it makes it rough. So that's why I didn't put myself on for the last six and a half years. I haven't done it since June of 2003. And there also must be some element of, like, you don't want to push it. Like no, I, mean, I, I, I want to push it. I do. I, I mean, I don't know what you mean by pushing No, but I mean by, like, you can't put yourself on every two weeks. Right, of course Because Letter may be like, Eddie. Yeah, All right. Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> we, now we, again. We like to have a meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, for the second time this month, please welcome Eddie Brill, who I have yeah. to talk to after the show. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> I would do it like once a year, you know, at the beginning, the first few years. And then I filled in once when some guest couldn't make it. And that was my worst set, by the way. Oh, really? Because <laughs> I tried a joke that I thought was funny that I had never tried on stage or anything or my friends before. And I opened with it. And it was... I thought it was the, a good place to try. Yeah, yeah, because you need a short joke to kind of right, open. Right. So I didn't have any. So, but I had this one where I went. I was in Penn Station the other day. It was so crowded. It was like Grand Central Station in there, and I thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, nothing. Yeah, I, it, nothing. The audience and the audience because the audience saw tourists. Yeah, they don't know. They don't know. It's another ride at the park for them. <laughs> Let's go to the letter. Another e ticket, right? Yeah, exactly. And well, nothing except the saxophone player who laughed because I probably wasn't getting any laughs. Oh, that's when they laugh. And that's when I, the musicians laugh. That's when yeah. we know you're in trouble, is when the musicians are laughing. Oh. So that set didn't go as well. I, you know, did well by the end, but there was a couple of minutes at the beginning when the audience is like, we don't like this guy. <laughs> oh, no. But, but that's that, okay. It's great experience. But, you that, know? but that happens, though. That happens on Letterman. And I think this is something we should clear up because I know I have a lot of people, a lot of comedians. Uh, listening to this and and actually mm. a lot of people who aren't comedians that that, that tolerate my talking to comedians but uh. but this is one there's two things that happen both in the world of comedy and not in comedy people who aren't in comedy go why don't you uh, get on letterman right there's that one there's yeah. when when are you going to get on letterman and when are you going to do letterman again can't you just call yeah i can yeah. just call yeah you can and then there's the other thing with comics mm -hmm. who don't understand how it works is that i can't tell you when i was younger and doing uh, more road work than i do now you get these comics I, a, a guy in like uh, north carolina He's like, uh, I'm like, well, you're going to have to go to New York. He goes, nah, if you want to do Letterman, that kind of stuff. He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to stay here. They'll come around. I'm like, they're not coming it around. It doesn't happen that often. You know, and a lot of comics ask me, and I'll say, you know, well, they say, well, I have a family, and I have to stay here. And I go, well, that's what part of the sacrifice is. You've got to, to be one of the top comics, you've got to be in a market that's really terrific. Put it all on the line. Right. You've got to have a drug your... problem <laughs> that you either kick or you don't. Or right. you, you can't care about your family. You've got to be willing to you know, lose your relationship with your kids and go broke. Right. I mean, if you don't if have that. If they don't have that, you, know, you might as well just be a regular guy. <laughs> don't don't so, call me. No, yeah, I'm busy. We, I got guys who have sacrificed their life and everything, else, and everything in it waiting online to get yes. on this show. 
But the truth is, the cool part about the fact that I'm a comedian is I get to go to these towns and I set up showcases in all these towns. So I'll go to Australia and set up a showcase there. I'll go to, you know, the, one of the best clubs in America is the Denver Comedy Works. Or, right. You know, and they, she, the woman, Wendy Curtis, who runs that place, she just grows her comedians up. You know, she puts them on stage with the headliners on the weekend, gives them 10 minutes, gives them a chance to shine. And I found great comics there. Well, you're one of the you're probably one of the only mm. bookers that actually does that anymore. And you know, now no one has anything bad to say about you. But like you said, some comics who don't know you. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I set them straight though. I will tell you that right now. Like you know, I don't know that Eddie guy. What about that Eddie Bro guy? I'm like, I don't understand. Eddie Bro's a great guy. What do you want from him? Do you, you have know? the fucking five minute set or don't you? <laughs> right. He's got a job to do. What do you right. need? And that's the thing. I've had people say, "Look, just put me on. Even if I suck, you can just you know." It's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> says one time you know people said that but the the truth is is that i don't just because i'm a comic i know what it's like i know what the dream is to do letterman and i'll see a comic and they might not i'll give you a name andy woodhull is a young kid in chicago and i saw him black kid no oh because someone was talking about some black kid that you yeah he's gonna do the show is um hannibal buras he's really funny he's very hilarious yeah waiting to get a, a spot so i can put him on yeah probably march or april but march is a tough month because the ncaa tournament anyway yeah let's get andy woodhull i saw him two years ago and he and i told him this in front of him the other day because i was in chicago and he I, he wasn't that great of a comic and then i saw him last year and he was leaps and bounds a better comic then i saw him this last time and he still sort of stayed on the same path so i told him i said look you know i gave him advice each time not that he has to take it but i think that you know i know as a booker that comics will grow you know i've changed my reinvented myself three or four times in my career so what does that mean to you though because like like you said that you're you're you've reinvented yourself and you're touring europe for you what does it mean you know um at the beginning i i always loved george carlin he was my hero Mm -hmm. it was the coolest story of my life is that i became my friend my hero my friend story um and it just it was a completely fantastic world for me. And he taught me a lot. He was your friend? At the end, yeah, he was. His wife's been on my Facebook. She's a very nice She's lady. Sally Wade. Yeah. It's fantastic. He what? called me to teach her to help her become a stand-up. Oh, really? Yeah. We, so that's how was, much he trusted me. He wanted me to help her. What was your relationship with him? I mean, how did that come about? Um, he saw me on Letterman, and he called the show. And it was really cool. And then, you know, there are many times along the way that he... You know, he got in touch with me. He said that I was one of him and his brother's favorite comedians. That was really great. And that was at a point where I had reinvented myself. Because I remember when Carlin first started, he was, you know, trying to please the audience. He was in a team, I think. Well, Carlin and Burns, right? Carlin and Burns, who was Burns and Schreiber. Jack Burns. Chicago guy. Yeah, a great straight man. Yes, fantastic. I'm actually, I'm doing a Jack Burns kind of character in my next Letterman set. Sort of a tribute almost for this one character I'm playing, just for a second, you know, but it's just, I think of Jack Burns in my mind when I do the character. So he, so Carlin was one of those guys where, you know, he was a straight, you know, entertainer, and then when Lenny Bruce broke, he the, saw Lenny Bruce. broke the wall down, right. they're like, oh, we better get in this, uh, it's time to get in that room. Right. Grow and the he hair realized out. he wanted to be honest, and the thing about Europe, it really makes you honest, and it's really great. And you spend a lot of time there. Yeah. I spend a lot of time so you're 20 years. that you're going a little deeper and that you're, you're being a little more yourself. The one thing right. I used to say about you years ago was when people asked me if I've seen uh, mm. if I've seen him, I said, of course I've seen that. He's very upset about the phone book. Yeah. <laughs> he did now that. I don't remember that bit. Oh, good. 
haberdashers. <laughs> it's funny that you would, I, that's not even the word in it. Should have been. <laughs> what was it? Haberdashers? It was apparel. Apparel. Right. Why would they have apparel? Yeah. And by the way, <clears throat> I just want to say that I did an auction last week, and that's why I sound like soupy sales. Well, I mean, you know, we've lost some guys, you know, but then you talk about that generation. You know, the thing is, is I, I we did these wonderful shows, tributes to like, um, you know, Sid Caesar and Buddy Hackett, and we, the Friars Club. and Buddy Hackett I wrote to when I was a child to get his <sighs> autograph picture. Did he send it back? He did. He that's did send it. I don't know really if he great. sent it back, but he it sent was him, it back. But it, yeah. He was one of the guys when I was a kid that, you know, I, I went in and out of the old school because I, you know, I have a very old school mind around comedy, and, and, right. and I love those guys. Uh, and Buddy Hackett, never not funny. Right. And one of the earliest memories of my parents having a great time was them. I was very little. They were in, we were in some hotel in Florida, I guess. And we were New Yorkers at that time. And they came back from the Buddy Hackett show and were laughing so hard, like crying and laughing and hugging. And, you know, that's what comedy does to people. And yeah, I saw not them. mine generally. Yeah. <laughs> people leave yeah. disoriented. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> At least they get something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, not walking away, not remembering that, what they sure. don't remember. That's but, for sure. Um, you know, but I just thought, you know, who's this Buddy Hackett? Then I saw him a week later on The Tonight Show, and he made me cry laughing. Same thing with Don Rickles and who I got to know. And I mean, that's, it's really, I hope it doesn't come off as braggy. I, the truth is, is that I'm so incredibly humbled by knowing these guys who are my heroes, knowing that even though they're 80 and 83, 85, they're still comics. Joan Rivers, at one time I was doing my first Letterman. I was getting on a plane. The next day I was doing Letterman. Joan Rivers on the plane. I met her in the gate, and I said, hey, Joan, I'm doing Letterman tomorrow. Um, just, you know, I'd met her once before. So she changed seats with the woman next to her and sat with me and went over my set with me on the plane and gave me some hints and really? told me to pause here. and Really? To, yes. Did you listen to her? Yes. But back to the comedians, and it's important that I let comedians know this. I'm open to anybody, and I will look at everybody and anybody, and I will look at them over time. And if someone is right for the show... I will let them know. And if they're not right, I will let them know. At least they know why they're, they're right or they're not right. <clears throat> and what I look for is I look through Letterman's eyes. What makes him laugh? And you and, know, and you got to trust you on that. That's yeah. the thing that a lot of comics don't understand. You have to trust me on that because I know. Because I, I tried to fight you. I, see, my first two, I think, Zoe Friedman booked. Right. Or, and, then, and then you booked my last two. And there was a joke that I had, and you were like, you know, I said, you know, blow up the building in the in the joke. You go, just make it uh, take over the world. And I'm like, that's not going to work. He's like, look. And you said, it's going to work. And I'm like, I can't me. do it. He goes, well, you got to do it because we're not blowing up buildings on right. Letterman. No. And, I, and I did it, and it worked fine. Yeah, because the essence of the joke is really what right. counts. Right. And That's I, why when people say, well, I've got to be dirty. That's why I can't do Letterman. I go, Richard Pryor did the Tom Jones show and was brilliant. Yeah. Richard Pryor did Ed Sullivan and maybe he was cleaner and more milk toast. But take it to the Tom Jones show. You, you could see the Tom Jones show. There's an edit. They probably said something even more brilliant. Right. That was too dirty. But um, if you're a really great comic, I mean, we've had some of the dirtier comics in, in a sense like Jim Norton 
and even Nick DiPaolo, who I don't really consider dirty, I consider him brilliant. And we've cleaned them up for television because you have to do it's network television those are the rules well that's the thing that's the weird thing too about like the whole the bill hicks predicament that happened on morton's watch where where there's this, mm. this idea that like they censored hicks it's like this, it's not censoring no. it's a company it's this is network television it's owned by a corporation there are certain rules it's not a, it's not a constitutional right it's issue not, and it's not about it's also not about you know creative control or licensing let him you know everyone said well you know bill talked about the christian you know, situation and abortion, and that's why they bumped him. But hadn't, all those jokes were fine. They were smart. They Wasn't were original. Was it an advertising issue? No, it was. The the only issue was his opening bit was about sticking a gun in Billy C Ray Cyrus's mouth and shooting him. Yeah. And then Michael Bolton. Now, we know that's not an issue uh, yeah. off the camera because, you know, most people, it's a cartoon way of saying these guys like are it. not talented. Yeah. But you can't do that on network television. You can't have a, put a gun in the mouth of somebody in any way. And they realize that after the fact. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's what made them uncomfortable about the set. Yeah. At the time. And then I remember it was on your watch where Hicks's mother comes on right. out of nowhere. And it was an amazing It was thing. not out of nowhere. Dave has been... Was so bummed out about that decision. But I mean, out of nowhere in the sense that nobody really knew. Most people don't know. Bill yeah, nobody Hicks, knew. And no one knew right. the story. But right. it was important to Dave to get closure on this and yes. apologize. And he did. And you could never get closure. He will never have complete closure on it. But he does. I would guess I can't be him and tell him you what he thinks. But he definitely, it felt good for him to be able to look at her in the eye and say, I'm sorry for, for what we, we did to your son. Okay, well, as a service to young comics and maybe as a, an insider look into this process, I, I, I want to let it be known that I've done uh, Letterman twice on Eddie's Watch. The second time, I was a little paranoid afterwards because I felt like I added a line that I didn't do on purpose out of habit and I thought it destroyed everything, but it didn't. It didn't. Right? No, and then, yeah. I, and then what happened was I wrote you recently and I said I got a set and you said you might have a spot in a week and a half, but then that spot closed up. Right, there was someone else who had a spot who might have not been able to do one but I had you working just in case because you're one of the great comics that we have on the show. All right. So now now when I said to you, I said, you know, because, of course, I read that initially as the set wasn't good. And, yeah, right. And, of and course. Someone else but that's who you are. But part of my job <laughs> is to be a psychologist in a sense, too. So like me and Bill Burr were talking about that. He said, oh, I'm freaking out. I go, I know you're freaking out. I, you're Bill Burr. That's how I, I have to deal with you because you freak out. He does. He freaks out too. Not freak out in a horrible Who way. Who freaks out the most? Um, everyone freaks out. Oh, you know, and that's part of the job of a psychologist. I know that everyone's worried, so I no because I'm worried. The funny thing is about Frank Smiley at Conan, who right. I work with all the time as a segment producer. He's great. He likes you to freak out. Really? He'll, he'll, he'll make me freak out. Like, here's what like, I tell people. Maybe that's effective. You know, it, 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 I mean, I've been doing it with him a long time, and, you know, and so it's not, mm. it's not a big deal. But, like, he'll have you do your set on the phone. And what I'll do is I'll sit there, and I'll, and I'll literally do, stand up and start pacing and do my set on the phone. So I do a joke, and then you hear Frank go, you got more? You got more, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll do another one. He's like, is that all you got? I mean, it's good, but like, you really... he plays it. But at least he's honest, you know. All right, so I'm let's do like this that. because, like, <clears throat> I brought the set that I sent you. Okay, we and can do that. Let me just see if I know which ones. See, now I, I right. sent you this set. All right, I wish I had a copy to play along, but all right. So the first joke is basically, uh, uh, oh, so the the first this joke is good for the podcast. I'm not. Yeah, uh... yeah, no, that's no, good. <laughs> but no, this is going to be interesting for me because right. I don't think we've got we wouldn't we wouldn't get this specific until. 
Right. Now, this will probably solve a lot of problems because by the end of this podcast, I will have a set ready. I think so. So, uh, all right. So the, the, the first joke was like, I take out my cell phone. I say, let me just tweet where I am. Right. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. Nine it's, comics have done it. Well, a lot of people have done tweet, Twitter, tweet jokes. Joke. Okay. Right. But to take out the prop, it's always, it's always you better it to prop. do comedy without anything. I know that. You know, now you yeah. did once w w with a, a cell phone bit. With no phone. But we didn't use the phone, remember? Right. Yeah. And it still worked like a charm. Right. That was the only note I would have had about that to not have to take out. We don't want to, we don't want it like a trick or a, All right. a thing. So we that's out. To be I get it. Right. I get it. All right. Not so out idea, but it's just we don't need to take the phone out and do that as a, as a trick because the material in it is, is great. Right. So the, the material is that, uh, you know, like I get frustrated with the instruction books. I just need to pick a sound, put my two friends in. Right. And then and that's yeah. a great little bit. Right. Because it really, I mean, it's very honest and it's very ironic. So you're good at it where it's all I need are two. I need the main guy and the guy I go to when I drain the main guy. Right. <laughs> right. That's okay. very funny. Uh, oh, the potential magician's joke that if you don't know how to use your phone, you surrounded yes. by, you like that. Yes. Uh, that somebody comes up from. Right, right. You just yeah. hit T and it it's goes funny, to the top. It's funny I don't have the stuff, but Holy I remember crap. the joke. It yeah. is funny, actually. Yeah. It's weird because I have to remember all of them. And, and then, write my own. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's the hard I, part. I don't mean to, to add more uh, more strife. That's all right. You, 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 yes, you do. I did, I'm recently divorced, but I'm fine. I'm fine. You know what? Enough with the word fine. You know, if you ask somebody, hey, how are you doing? They say fine. What they're really saying is, don't walk away. Help me. I'm in trouble here. But you I, can't say that because they'll just let you go, don't worry, you'll be and fine. And you know, just my first thought would be, yeah. instead of using that line at the beginning that says, you know, I'm divorced, but I'm fine, just say enough of the word fine. The whole joke's about the word fine. So you're using a sort of setup to get to the yeah. word. And it's almost not as real as just saying, isn't it weird with the word fine? Or if I can you just bet. say, uh, just take a beat and just go, I'm fine. Don't worry, I'm fine. Right. In the, right. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Why? Because you can, yeah. Why, why have that intro? Why about, the sad part? Right. I know what you're saying. Uh, and then, okay, so then I, so, cause I do talk more about the divorce. I say, I, I right, that's okay afterwards. I don't have kids. I don't want kids. I think kids are dangerous. I've lost a lot of friends to kids. Yeah, I'm still thinking about the last joke. Can I go back yeah. to the last joke? Like, here, let me just look at it because I didn't have the paper in front of me. Show me. It this says, I'm recently fine. divorced, but I'm fine. I would actually start and say, you know, people, when they say they're fine, it's always a lie. Right. The dictionary should say fine, adverb, lie, because, you know, how you doing, fine, all that kind of stuff, and say, you know, People ask me, I'm recently divorced, and people ask me, and I always say, fine. Yeah. It's, it's my lie, and then boom. So you move that to right, the right, second right, right. part. And okay. then, you, because you're really talking about the word fine. So don't trick it to get to the word fine. Like, you know, speaking of vegetables, yeah, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. It's like, no, you weren't. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, right. I, I agree with you. Okay. And you like the kids joke? I've lost a lot of friends to kids. Yes. Okay, that's of course. good. Uh, it's been a tough couple of years. Uh, oh, no, this one's probably a problem. Uh, I've thought about turning to religion. I don't believe in God. I have nothing against God. I just wasn't brought up with it. I don't begrudge you. You're God's. I don't want to mock the myths that define you. Right. See, and what's great about that is I have all of that stuff too. My religion stuff is really powerful these days yeah. about it. But I watched, and a very interesting thing is I almost did religion in this bit. I'm thinking about God. Yeah. I think about, you know, Jesus. And uh, I watched this six-part Monty Python IFC thing. Yeah. And they talked about Life of Brian, which yeah. is one of my favorite movies ever. And they said, you never really make fun of Jesus or God, and that's what we didn't do. What we do is we make fun of the people who are affected by right. Jesus or God. Okay. Like Jesus actually made the actual speech in Life of Brian that he made supposedly in real life. Yeah. Um, so I learned a lot about that. And I learned it's a very fine line because you talk about religion, you can't preach. You can't preach anything. Right, absolutely. Because 
everyone has different religions and right. everyone, you know, and they're all, to me, it's all myth and all superstition. Right. What I've recently realized is that the, all the religions right. are based on other people's religions right. and it's all other people's fears. Right. So we can say that, but that's preaching. So it's better to just be funnier and not say, we know, like there's that line where you say, which I is, don't want to mock the myths that define any of you. Right. Because really what you're doing is you're mocking the myths of course. that define everybody. Right. So, but it's everybody. Right. So that's good. But I agree. I think it's brilliant. I'm just saying, we're not going to do that kind show. of a thing. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't. I'm, I'm just talking about it as a discussion, not oh. yes or no from the show. I know that when you do that kind of a thing, people's minds go in, the, in another place and they leave your joke. Or they'll think, okay, here's a guy, he's talking about religion, I'm shutting off because he's pointing at me. Or maybe they're going, I saying, never thought about it like that. <clears throat> now I'm lost. That's, Either way, that's you don't all want we want. <laughs> but what George Carlin taught me is not ever point at the audience and always say, you suck, we suck. You know, and, and that's, you know, that's why I think okay. when you say mock the myths that define you, it, it's not a red flag. It just makes me realize, although it's really great, well, that's not the main point you you need to make in that joke. Okay, so okay, so we're reevaluating. I'm not saying it. it's, no, it's not good enough. I love it. I understand. Okay. I understand exactly what you're saying. But how about this one? Maybe this is a red flag. Uh, Those fucking people that yeah. fucking piss me off. <laughs> yeah. I think I may need a god. I'm in my mid forties. I'm getting old. I'm angry. I could use a god hole to dump my hate in, and that is a pickup line, ladies. <laughs> well, it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. But god hole, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, okay, but, so. But you know, network television. You're, okay. You know, I I, I kind of knew I was pushing with that. One. You know, if you make fun of, I'll try McDonald's, to get away with it. McDonald's on or God, yeah. they get mad at you. Yeah, I know. Well, we can't fuck <laughs> yeah. with the things that rule yeah, everyone. The world, keep people in control. Yes, because right. I have a, I have had a joke once that was about McDonald's, and it was real and funny and smart. And I asked the, the censors, I said, "Can I do this joke?" And they go, "Let me hear the joke." And they went, "Are you kidding?" <laughs> <laughs> And it was worth it. And I was in a hotel room like this, doing the joke over the phone. And they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing. No. You tried to do... Um, all right, now what about the thing about I've been dating or sexually acting out, depending on which paradigm. Right, that's all. That's very Mark Maron. Yeah, and then you got the whole sort of like, you know, the having sex with someone too quick. You know, I don't know you. I don't right. know you either. It's you all like great and it's smart. All right, so you know, we good. did Dr. Katz together, and you had all that religion about the religion stuff in there, uh, and it was really smart, and it was really great. So, you know, no matter what sort of path you've taken, yeah. you're always very irreverent about things that a lot of people don't want to talk about. And I think as a comedian, as a booker at Letterman, I like to bring that out. Like Ted Alexandro, we did some stuff on the show that was irreverent. It was really smart, and it was really great. You know, you gotta, it's a fine line. Yeah. You know, you don't want people leaving the set like... I was going to do a Fox News joke right. as a silly thing in my set. Yeah. And I realized people would leave in in their minds in the set if I did that joke. And the joke had never really nothing to do with Fox News. So what I did was I took it out and the joke works really well. And I still get my point across. Right. You That's know? the way to go. Yeah. So we got the dating thing. The cat thing you can't have any problem with. Which one was that? I don't see I'm it not a cat guy. Right. Of course. That's, and then the, uh, you know, oh, I, I would hate to have a cat in Iraq. Right. Uh, uh, let me see that. That's a funny joke. Cats? No, no, no. Where I'm I say, only kidding. Where I say, uh, you know, I worry about my cats and I rationalize right. it. Like, I don't want, what if they get eaten by coyotes? And then I right. actually said to myself, Mark, there are parents that have children fighting in Iraq. And I thought, that'd be mm. horrible to have a cat in Iraq. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, right? it is it's funny. Closer. I know. All right. Okay. So, so the and only, that's important in a set for comedians to know. 
You need a big closer. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it is. You've got to, it's an art piece. It's a four and a half minute art piece where you've got to get a, a tight art piece. Yeah. Very tight art. But piece. not stiff. It's got to be in your voice. Right. It's got to be who you are. So no, no bringing out the phone, lose the two God one-liners and maybe throw something else in there. We're good. I think we are. Oh, good. You know, and you'll show it to me again and we'll look at it, you know, and yeah. well, and then we'll have it ready just in case. We'll have it in, we'll have it in the barrel. We'll have it loaded <laughs> oh in the God. in the cartridge. Wow, you've learned a lot of Western yeah. philosophy I, 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 I was just trying to think of an analogy. <laughs> yes, you really are. So now, uh, do you want me to go over your set? Are you, you okay um, with it? Because I could probably do yeah, it. Yeah, okay. I have a question for you. Yeah. I'm going to combine these two punchlines together. This, I'll tell you the joke yeah. with the combined punchlines, then I'll tell you separately. You tell me what you like the most. Okay. All right. What, I always wondered why Adam and Eve had names. Yeah. They're the only two people on earth. <laughs> yeah. They don't need names. Right. Probably Adam's idea. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, baby, this is how it's going to work. I'll be Adam and you'll be Eve. And then she says, um, look, Adam, in quotation points, <laughs> if I'm not saying something and I hear somebody, it's you. <laughs> yeah. well, don't, you know, don't you like having names? She says, I think we should see other people. <laughs> Right. So that's the, that's how I yeah. made the joke. Yeah. It used to be where it end with the first part. Adam, if I'm not talking to hear other people, I, I you know if, if I don't hear anybody, it's you. That's how I used to end it. But Louis C.K. told me the gave me the line, "We should see other people." Right. But so I was gonna just say, uh, "Hey, you want to be Adam? I'll be Adam. You'll be Eve." And she's like, "Adam, you want me to call you Adam?" And he goes, "Yeah, Adam." He goes. Well, look, Adam, I think we should see other people. <laughs> right. So I combined the two, and yeah. it's working, sort of. I'm going to tell I don't know which way to do it. Well, either way, it's not offensive, but it seems like the way it originally is The funnier. first one was okay. No, the one you just did. Oh. Well, Adam, I yeah. think we should see other people. <laughs> yeah, without the, you know, hearing. Like, if I hear somebody, you want to take that out? Like well, no, I, I just think that it's a lot cleaner. Like, right. you know, like the second way you were. But hey, the problem with that is, is I go, all right, here's a joke. Why, why do I, I always wonder why Adam and Eve have names. They're the only two people on earth. Um, you know, uh, they don't need names. Probably Adam's idea. All right, baby, this is going to work. I'll be Adam. You'll be Eve. And it's like, look, well, Adam, I think we should see other people. It doesn't build up where you're. Oh, because you already said there's no other people on earth. Right. Okay. But the, it's, it's okay to say it. But, and it sets up the, the line later. But I think that there needs another line in there to build up where she's angry at him. She right. can't just say, let's see other people because right. he made up a name. Oh, right, 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 but if right. she gets oh, angry and says, look, if I don't hear somebody, if I'm, talk, if I'm not talking and I hear somebody, it's you. And he says another line like, don't you think that's kind of cool? Because I think we should see other people. Right, 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 I think right. that's the best and way it's working? to do it. I don't know. I'm working on it now. Because my brain immediately goes, well, I guess that's our responsibility. And then it seems weird. You know, Wait, what's that to oh. make other people right? And and then yeah, and then my brain goes to this other place where it's like, are you sure God's not lying to us? There's got to be other people. This right. can't be it. I mean, there's a couple of ways you can go, but it seems like it's time. I have that stuff. Yeah, about that. But to do the set and to get a laugh in the first twenty seconds, yeah, which I want is where I, I wanted to go because I have a whole thing about the Bible and about Easter Bunny and chocolate. And there's no chocolate in the Bible. Yeah, the only way you have chocolate in the Bible is if you're reading the Bible and you have a mushy Kit Kat bar in your right. hand, right, and stuff like that. And it's all into it. And then I go to Adam and Eve and and uh, you know Lot's wife and all these stories in wow. the Bible that are not. So then I have Noah. It's a really long bit, but I've cut it down to this. Here's my Noah bit. I said, I bet Noah had to make a speech the night before, the night the ark took off. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you animals, this is my Jack. Uh, oh, the Jack Burns thing. Jack yeah. Burns bit, but I can't do it with my voice now. All right, you animals. Uh, I know that you can't understand human communication of any kind, but gather around. <laughs> We're the future of the world, and the number one rule 
is no eating each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, except for the chickens, of course, because <laughs> them chickens is tasty. He says, I brought a ton of them, so go to town. <laughs> but just save two. <laughs> just remember to save two. That's the Noah bit. That's the third, the second one. The you, third, can, you can even do more like that, right? But I brought a few extra pigs, too, but that's for, they're for my family. You know, like there's all the, just as long as you eat I have I have one where he goes, my, the longer version is, my name is Noah. This is my lovely wife, Dolores. Dolores, the animals. The animals, Dolores. And then I say, all right, you velociraptors and you unicorns, cut it out or you're not coming on the trip. <laughs> <laughs> Try me. You know, and he yells right, 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 right. And I also have more to it where some animal yells out and he goes, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I know I'm a donkey, but I learned how to, I learned English. He says, who's, you know, I, I was top of my class. He said, who's the jackass now? And then he, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. he's like, has a little bitterness. <laughs> and then, you know, he asks Noah why he's not bringing any people of other colors. Yeah. Why you're just bringing you and your wife. Yeah. He said, what about all the other ethnicities? He goes, don't worry, you jackass. Who do you think's working the boat? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I'm not doing that. <laughs> So let's uh, let's let's see if we can wrap it up here. I'll try to be uh, uh, candid without being uh, without putting you in a weird position. But like, have you ever had a set on the show where you're like, "Oh my god, oh, what are we gonna do?" No. Okay. Well, never has it been horrible. The only time I had a weird situation was because, um, what's his name? Harlan Williams is one of my favorite comedians. I I, I can actually do a Harlan Williams. Let me hear. Well, I know the, I I know his system of comedy. Yeah. It's just that you get three things. That, and you, you direct three tangential things at somebody who's not there with you, and you get Harlan Williams. Oh, how are we doing, Mr. Muffinhead? It looks like the rocket pack's not working today, so I guess we're staying here at McDonald's. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> well, we got together. Uh, he was doing the show on a November 1st. I had just been booking the show since March 2001. So November 2001. You know, he's going to do the show, and uh, he comes the night before, and it's Halloween. We forgot that it was Halloween. There's nobody in the club, so just got to go through sets. There's three or four people, the audience. <laughs> and he does a couple of jokes, and they're really funny, and I, we put it together, and he kills. But the jokes were not right for network television, two of them. Mm. And they had to do some editing, and they had to do a little bleeping. But, you know, it was the only time, and, you know, Dave called me up to his office and said, you know, you can't do those kind of jokes on TV. And I go, I had no idea. I said, I'd never come. I thought they were funny. He goes, they were funny. They were hilarious. He had a great set. He killed. But we have this network television here. And, you know, one of the jokes was about having 69. Yeah. And I didn't think, because it was a number, I didn't think people right, it would right, be, right, a, right. you know, people, it's like Bullwinkle. You watch Bullwinkle and you realize, man, they were filthy. You right. know, they were very suggestive. Well, I can't even imagine what his jokes is. Hey, uh, you ever been doing 69? And then all of a sudden you're No, like, it wasn't even know. like that. It was more like a Snuggle Bear and Pillsbury Doughboy had yeah. 69. It would be the softest place on earth. Yeah, yeah. And that was very funny and cute and it's yeah. silly and, you know, nobody, no kid would get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But we couldn't do that. I got a rocket in my pants. Who wants waffles? <laughs> He can do he always goes day. to his jokes always end in waffles for some reason. He's a syrup waffle guy. I think know? we should talk a little bit about Dave because I remember the last set I, I did and he's, we thought I was going to do panel. I didn't, but I ended up sitting next to him longer than usual. Yeah, because that doesn't happen anymore. We have a different format. The show no is, one talks to Dave or touches him. Very, <laughs> everybody talks to Dave except comedians. Right? No, we comedians go in the middle. It's like a, an actor 
comedian musician oh, so there's no good. real panel time unless the show runs really short well i sat down with him and i said you know i think you know because it was after the days the you did it you sat with him he loved the set he thought yeah he asked you he said how's that material work in the club that's right he said it does like you can make that work in clubs i'm like yeah yeah because it was very irreverent and it was more it was probably there's a smaller audience in the world that really goes for that kind but of i remember comedy. but i remember i said to him i said because uh, I, I really love the guy you know, and I get the same feeling you do every day. But like when when he walks up to me after a set, right? You know, I'm literally like, oh my god, it's David Letterman. Yeah, he's right there. It's David Letterman. He's and, standing and, there. And, and I like I never even tried to get Letterman uh, Leno. I never did Leno mm. because you know I just I'm loyal in this weird way. You know, Conan's been good to me, so I do Conan. Of course. And I do Letterman. That's it. I don't try to get on Fergus or anything else because I respect the show. You're in a theater. You know, he's a class act. He's a class act broadcaster. You know, it's a respectable uh, thing. And I just remember sitting down next to him. It was after he had the surgery and everything. And I really think, you know, he's gotten a new humility and a new honesty. And he's back to himself. And I said, I think you're doing a great job. And he goes, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> because, you know, every, uh, you know, you think you're the only one in your world that's freaking out that, you know. Yeah. And one day he told me, he said, um, you know, I feel, think, feel like somebody's going to tap me on the shoulder and go, it's just been all a dream. And, and it's weird because I told that to Steve Wright. And he said, that's how I feel. And it's funny because Bob Dylan told me that. <laughs> so it's like everybody who's in this business. The, the idea of Bob Dylan, Bill, Bob Dylan and Stephen Wright talking <laughs> hey, to each other. What? Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like huh? abstract time. You know, like I really would love to see yeah, that. Salvatore Dali interviewing the both of them. Yeah, has anyone ever, uh, what's some other uh, things that you've like, remember people telling you, like you know, people that you were surprised at, you know, heroes or? Um, well, you know, I, I learned so much from Carlin, mostly about just being honest. You know, Bill Hicks taught me a lot of things. Sam Kinison and Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks and I were very close, and we worked in Europe together a lot. He was very good to me, and he said, Eddie, when we hang out together, we have such smart, great conversation. Then you go on stage and do your little dance. And he said, you know. The phone book. What's yeah. with the phone book? Why are you angry with the phone book? <laughs> he said, you know, but it's weirdly enough, people request that joke. Yeah. It's weird. It's you know, the, because the, I was George Carlin in the silly days yeah. of, you know, I'm aware of some stare at my hair. I was that guy. Yeah. Um, it's not that I don't do that kind of silly stuff, but, you know, now I talk about real things. So Hicks really got me to stop you know, just talk about real things that matter to me. And then Carlin drove that point home. And Kinison really dug what I was doing because of the influence Hicks had on me. Yeah. And Hicks, as you know, you know, Kinison brought me into his group and I, he got me work for years. And just, I, I moved back to New York to get out of the uh, sort of drug grip that LA was. In the yeah, I remember 80s. that, sure. And it cl I cleaned up and I was really happy that I did. Um, and but Kinnison would get me work all the time. I did this gig and somebody paid me in cash. And I go, by the way, how did I get this gig? He says Kinnison called us and told us he never, you know, he was that kind of a guy. He was That's just funny. I was twenty one years old, and, and when I crossed the line with Kinnison, he called people, told him not to work. Right, <laughs> well, bastard. Johnny Zapp loves bringing that up to me every time oh, I see him. I see Johnny Zapp every time I go to. LA. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, Kinnison blackballed you, and I'm like, wow, that's, I didn't know that. That's hard to do. I'll How do you forget... piss that guy off so much? He's gonna... You know what? I'll never forget where I had respect for you is. Um, we had worked together at the old Stitches, and not the old Stitches, the newer Stitches. Yeah. And uh, Airborne Eddie oh. was on the show, and he was a guy who ran a great club, but would take material in from Syracuse all the or something in Buffalo. Yeah, the comedy trap, yeah. the hurdle. And uh, I mean, he was a nice enough guy, but he was a thief, so yeah. we all knew that. And you brought him up 
You were hosting the show at Stitches and said, do you like this comedian? Do you like this comedian? Well, you're going to love this next guy because he does all their jokes. <laughs> and uh, it was like, well, that I love this Mark Marin guy. Well, thank you, Eddie Brill, for doing this. It was a great conversation. It was. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. What did we talk to you soon? What, what, what are we on the phone? <laughs> I'll be, I'm on the other line. I'll be right back. Okay, Florida. Still in Florida. Out in the car, in the in the carport, waiting for my mother's boyfriend John to come out and ask him if I need anything, if I want a soda or something. Quick recap of dinner. Dinner with my uh, my mother and uh, her boyfriend John. We're gonna go to that place. We go. We go all the all the time. We go there. They're gonna take care of us. They, you know, they take. We called ahead. Uh, Robbie's gonna get us our table in the corner. Told me be there in fifty minutes. I'm like, all right, are we leaving? And John goes, wait, let me get a tie. I want to give uh, so-and-so a tie at the restaurant. He goes, they're all wearing my ties. I bring them all ties. Every one of them is wearing one of my ties. I don't even understand what that's about. But apparently they're all wearing his ties. We get to the restaurant, and we sit at the, their table, and they hug people uh, that work there. Everyone's happy. Everyone's, oh, there he is. I mean, that's all. That's what it's all about here in Florida is establishing a relationship with uh, you know, the food proprietors. Because it makes you feel at home, and then you can be as annoying as you fucking want to. And because you're regular, and you tip well, and you know them, and they like your business, they put up with it. This is what's happening. So we sit at the table, and my mother's there, and John has gone to, I don't know, schmooze the bartender, maybe check in the kitchen. It's unclear to me. And the waiter comes over, and my mother's like, who are you? And the guy goes, yeah, hi, my name's Mark. And he, she's like, are you new here? He's like, yeah, I've been here a week. Oh, where's Howie? Uh, Howie's got a party in the back of 22 people. Oh, really? Howie's in the back. Oh, we usually have Howie. Well, I, I, you know, I can, I can get you what you need. What do you need to drink? So here's where it starts. My mother's like, okay, I want a glass of blah, 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 white wine, but I don't, I, I don't want it in the little glass. I want it in the big glass. And the guy's like, like a highball glass? No, no, you know, the big the wine glass, the big wine glass. Oh, okay, yeah. She goes, that's what I want. I want a, 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 a side of seltzer with ice. And he wants, John, he wants, he likes a cranberry mixed with orange juice, mixed with soda water. Already, if I'm the waiter, I want to kill myself. And so this guy goes away, and I say, I want iced tea. He goes, okay, no problem. And then the maitre d' comes over and says, don't worry, Howie's going to take care of you. So now the new guy's dejected. He's giving us long, sad stares. Howie comes over. Howie's like, hey, there he is. How you doing? Oh, that's it. Oh, everybody's good. How you doing? Everybody, you know, everybody knows everybody. So then Howie's like, you know, they bring the bread out, and it's a regular basket of bread. And my mother goes, where's Howie? Where, you know what we like. And then Howie goes, they like the heels. They like the ends, the heels. Oh, my God. I am in I, I am in irritating Jewish vortex is what I'm in. And and then like, you know, it goes on, the special ordering. My mother's I just want a salad, you know how I like it. I brought my own dressing, da da da. Oh my God. Oh my God. I had fish and it was just okay, but I was afraid to say that. Because John was like, How is it? How is he happy? Everything good? It's great, right? How was that fish? I get the shrimp usually, but I didn't get the shrimp this time. I got the chicken. The shrimp of the chicken's really the best. Veal not so much. The fish is usually excellent. And I was literally afraid to say my fish was just okay. I was afraid for all of us. Oh, I got out of there without eating dessert, though. That's something. That's something.
My mother did say I looked perfect. That should last a couple days. I'm sitting with my mother, and uh, there's a couple of things going on right here. Uh, first of all, I'm nervous about this interview because um, all I'm thinking is something I've thought for most of my life. Um, it, number one, is my mother going to embarrass me by something she says on the microphone, which is something I've lived with a long time? And, uh, and, and number two, is this machine going to work? Because I just forgot to record. Now, we're, we're going to, the, the main reason I'm doing this is because my father has been on the show many times because he's, uh, he's a character and, you know, he's a doctor and he's, he's, now we've developed a, um, a, a health and wellness segment around him. And I will get you, some of you are requesting his vitamin regimen, and I, I will try to get that to you. But it, it dawned on me, those are my mother's dogs, uh, Giggles and Pumpkin. Benji and Pumpkin. Oh, I'm sorry, Giggles is dead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize about that. You had Giggles put to sleep? 17 years. That dog was alive? I remember the, a little story before I introduced my mother. One time I remember coming home from college... And, you know, I was, you know, feeling my oats and, and rebellious. And I said, look, you know, I'm a grown man. I'm not going to run errands every day. So don't leave me notes on the, ca- on the counter to do silly errands. And, and you said, okay, I won't do that. And the next morning I wake up and there's just a note that says, please, one errand, have Raglan put to sleep. That was our dog. That was the one errand. I didn't do that. He was old and very arthritic. I was not being heartless. No, I know, but how is that? How was that my job? I mean, you know, you're, it wasn't. You're the that killer. That was of, horrible. You're the killer of dogs. I'm not a. You know, that's not true. No, I mean euthanizing them. It's all done with with great. You know, you gotta sadness. be there. You gotta hold them. Okay. Well, okay. So that's not a good start to the diet segment, no. but that was my fault. So my mother's in great shape, and and I thought it would be only right to do a diet segment and and to you know to help people with her regimen. Now I know it's after Thanksgiving and I do all the cooking and my mother really has never had butter in her house except once a year. And now there's gravy and butter. And did you know there's sour cream in there? Mm. You like sour cream, right? No, John likes sour cream. So you'll keep the sour cream. Mm. So what, what happens to the rest of it? The rest of it goes in the disposal as soon as Mark goes on the plane. As soon as I go on the plane. <laughs> so the disposal is a, uh, it, 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 you just use it to, to balance things out. I remember yeah. that all my life. If there's anything good in the refrigerator within hours, it goes down the disposal. You want it now or forget it. Right. So the, the disposal is really a calorie management system, right? Yes. That's, and that's, that's something a lot of people don't see their garbage disposal of as part of your diet. This is a way <laughs> to, to actually manage your calories. I'm going to write a book. You should write a book. The most important part of your diet is your garbage disposal <laughs> because you can't trust yourself not to buy that, things. That's true. Like you eat ice cream, right? No. I eat, I eat diet jello with diet ready whip. That takes place, that takes over all the ice cream. Okay, let's, well, that's dessert. So let's start with the main meal. Let's start with the first meal of the day. Breakfast, we do what? We have a protein drink and a Smart for Life cookie and some cereal without milk. What kind of cereal? It's Kashi cereal, dried oats with 70 calories a cup. The, the, oh, the puff cereal. The puffs. See, I've done that. See, not even asking you any advice. In my, in my harder times, 
I have many times done puffins, which I think have a little more calories in that. Have you looked at puffins? Yeah, but they, they're sweet. You don't like sweet? I don't like sweet. All right, so there's your breakfast, folks. You have a, a, a smart a diet cookie, a protein <laughs> drink in a can, and dried, tasteless, unsweetened cereal. No milk. My diet is not quite like Dr. Marin's. It's not. On the healthiest track, but it works for me. I don't think there's any disclaimers that are necessary here. I think a lot of people are going to take to this. I think we're okay. on to something. So, so then you exercise how much? I exercise usually two hours a day. What I just Before I had the mic on, you said three. But it's usually two, two and a half. So I, you, don't, I don't want to lie. So shoot for three. Oh, wait, three. So my mother recommends three hours of exercise a day. Is that before or after the cereal with no milk and the, and the diet That's cookie. after. So, so you, not only do you burn that off, but you've bought yourself some space for the rest of the day. I don't really look at that that way. The How do you look at the it? The exercise is more for keeping my body limber and it's great for your head. All right. So now you have to understand my mother has been, what, 119 pounds your whole life? What? No? Oh, my Lord. 115 the most. I'm sorry. Jesus. Not my whole life. I'm sorry. Yeah, so why are you so... Because uh, I was a fat child. Like really fat? Really fat. You know what? Everyone I, called me Tubby. Tubby instead of Toby? That's clever. Sometimes meanies are clever, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, but I went with my mother when I was in sixth grade to try and change my name to Terry. Oh, and then you think you'd protect yourself? Yeah, but we never went through But it. your last name was Blum, so I imagine they'd think Blimp. <laughs> Maybe. See, I'm, I'm on top of it. I know. You were probably a bully. What do you mean probably? You knew me. Was I you a bully? Were, no. Okay, good. Not then. I think it came later. Maybe. And I'm not that much of a bully. So, all right. So, can I see some pictures of the fat Toby? Later. Do you have any? Seriously. I don't know. What happened to those pictures? They went down the garbage disposal. <laughs> I don't know. They might be at Craig's house. No, I, I have a, a very distinct recollection that you destroyed all the pictures of you as a fat person. I used to have one on the refrigerator in Albuquerque. As a reminder? Yes. All right, there's diet tip number two, number three. <laughs> Put a picture of your fat self on the refrigerator, right. the one that you hate the most, and destroy the rest. Right? Right. That's not a bad tip. Right. All right, so now it's lunchtime. You've given your dogs a much better meal than you've had. Right. These dogs yesterday had grits and turkey. For breakfast. And what do they usually eat? Rice and chicken. Rice and chicken? For breakfast. What were you doing with that? I, I saw you, uh, were you eating uh, boiled Brussels sprouts this morning? No, that was the dogs were having the few Brussels sprouts that were left. So you give your dogs vegetables too? Yes. String beans are their favorite. String beans. So they have a very balanced meal. They do. So what do you eat for lunch while you're giving your dogs chicken I and rice? I eat a protein bar. Another protein bar. And then we, I do four egg whites in the microwave. Tasty. And the dogs and I share them. All right. So the same kind of protein bar you had for breakfast? No, that was a drink. Oh, so you had a drink and a cookie for breakfast. And then I have a protein bar and egg whites. And me. egg whites. What do you do with the egg whites? Anything? Put salt, no, pepper? No, 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 All right, so let's see what we've got so far, and then we'll move further into oh, okay. it. You wake up, and you're excited for a new day. You have a canned protein drink, a diet cookie, and dried tasteless cereal. Then you exercise for three hours. Then you come home and feed your dogs chicken and rice, and, and you eat a, a protein bar 
and microwaved egg whites with nothing in them. What kind of exercise? I do Pilates. Yeah. That, what's that's an a, hour? What do you do? Aerobic Pilates. So that's one hour. With everybody in my class is under 40. Oh, so it's important to take classes with people younger than you. Yes. And then I do this class called The Ultimate. So that's right after Pilates? Mm-hmm. All right, so that's two hours. What about the third hour? The third hour I walk. You walk. Mm. So I guess it's pretty important to be either retired or not heavily employed <laughs> if you want to do this diet. I'm not retired. I'm sorry. You have to I be on your own schedule. forced into retirement with the real estate market. You're a real estate broker. Yeah. Yeah. I think you got too much heart to be a salesperson. Much too much. Yeah. All right. So now, uh, okay, you fed your dogs, you ate your egg whites. And now uh, dinner time. What happens at dinner? Dinner, I make a lovely salad with eggs and beans and all kinds of lettuce and sprouts. Mm -hmm. No meat? No meat. What kind of dressing? Um, balsamic vinegar and Dijon mustard. So it's your personal recipe? Yeah. Which you bring to restaurants? Yeah. Now that's, a, that's okay, so now we know what dinner is. So now we've got the full day's meals. And I eat pretzels in between. How, oh, okay, so that's your snack, pretzels. That's my snack. How do people eat out? That's the other question. I've been out to dinner with you many times and been you know, embarrassed on many occasions until I got over it, you know. But it's awkward to, to go to a nice Italian restaurant and everyone has orders a nice meal and you go, can I just have vegetables grilled with nothing on them? Is that what you do everywhere? They don't usually do that very well, so now I'm just doing chopped salads everywhere. Chopped salads everywhere and you bring your... Your, they usually have balsamic vinegar, but sometimes I have to bring my own mustard. So you always have mustard in your purse? Many so, times. All right, that's a diet tip. Always carry mustard <laughs> in your purse. But I do eat bread at restaurants. So that's the only time you eat bread? Yeah. Okay. Well, now comes the, you know, the big payoff in the sense that you know, you've, you've saved up all this room and you've burned off all these calories, so now I imagine that dessert is a binge time, right? Cause, binge time. Yeah. Okay, so what does that look like? That looks like the same breakfast cereal without milk. So kashi puffed grain, uh, yeah, no sugar. A, a half a cup. Dry. Yeah. Right. With four diet jellos on top. Four diet jello cups on top of the cereal. On top of which I put one of those 60-calorie diet puddings. Mm. And then... A whole can of fat-free Ready Whip. A whole can? <laughs> a whole can. Really? Uh-huh. Is that why there's 50 of them in the refrigerator? Yeah, I can't always find them, so when I find them, I buy them by the dozen. You used to stockpile tofuti, too, I think, when I was younger. Tofuti. Something. Some, remember some non-fat yogurt dessert you used to get at one place? Oh, yeah, that was, yeah. What was that called? I don't remember. But now it's, now it's no, non-fat now Ready it's Whip. this. Look. What? I am 68 years old. Okay. I'm in decent shape. Yeah. I'm never sick. Right. And I don't take supplements. Okay. So there you have it. I mean, I think, I think we learned a lot today. So the, the worst thing about my eating disorder is that I, I screwed up my kids. Why? Do I look fat? You never look, no, you look too skinny this time. See, now you're just trying to make up for it. I'm I can't not, even believe you it. I do. Even my sister said, oh my Lord, what happened to Mark? 
Really? Yeah. Is this the only family I ever known where people are like, "Is he sick? Does he have? Uh, <laughs> does he have AIDS?" No, he looks great. <laughs> so you're trying to make up for that? That you wired my my brother pinches himself on the sides of his body when he feels fat until he's black and blue. How does that make you feel? On some level, aren't you proud that you know we don't get fat? I oh, see. Now you're thinking, well, Craig got fat a little. Right? <laughs> How did you know that? <laughs> He's, think, he's working on it though yeah yeah i think he once said to me he once said mark I, I i just don't know i think if you were fat i just don't know if i could love you i think he said that who said craig or mark? no you said that oh me i don't no, know i did not ever say that mark oh i must have made it up even when you were chunky as a kid i loved you chunky, chunky. that's a nice way <laughs> <laughs> but you were very concerned because i remember a lot of kids were reading books and I was reading the uh, you know, calorie counting dictionary. <laughs> I was trying to protect you from a life of being called names. All right. Well, look, here's what I'm going to tell you. Let's do a recap. So you get up morning time. You got your protein bar, your diet cookie, and your dried, kashi, puffed uh, grain cereal with no sugar. Yummy. And then at lunchtime, if you have dogs, make sure you feed them something very tasty like chicken and rice and Brussels sprouts. And then you eat... Uh, a protein bar and microwave egg whites with nothing on them, plain. If you feel like snacking, have a pretzel, but don't overdo it. And if no, you, you buy the 100-calorie packages. 100-calorie packages of pretzels. If you find yourself with too much food or you, you, you get weak in the supermarket, you buy something you know you should have, take a couple bites, write down the garbage disposal. That's how that works. And then dinner, uh, wait for it. It's, it's, it's going to be good. Uh, big salad with sprouts, beans, no meat. And then a lovely dressing of Dijon mustard and balsamic vinaigrette. And hard-boiled hard egg whites. Hard-boiled egg whites. So you mix it up with the egg whites. Hard-boil yeah, yeah. some, microwave other ones. Yeah. If you go out to eat, chop salad uh, and bring your own mustard. Right. And, and then dessert, the big payoff for the day is uh, a half a cup of, of dry kashi puff grain cereal, four non-fat jello cups topped with one 60-calorie vanilla pudding cup, and then an entire can of uh, of Ready Whip, of Ready Whip non-fat fat, fat free Ready Whip, and don't forget to exercise three hours a day. All right, so I think this was good, but this doesn't change much. So I don't know how we're going to keep doing it as a segment. You have to come up with other tips. You think you can? Not now. I mean, in the future. The next time. Okay. So, you, uh, well, you think I'm like I look thin? Then is that what you're saying? I think, Mark, you look terrific. Okay, you heard it here. You heard it here now. He's a very, very handsome person. Okay. Man. All right. Well, then I'll leave it at that, and then I'll try, and I'll play this back whenever I, I doubt it, and I'll try to believe it. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Say thank you. Thank you. All right. All right, so I'm in the car, and I figured it's a fine time to read a, a light-hearted email from uh, from one of you guys. I am going to do an email show. I know a lot of you sent emails. We're going to do another one of those. We're, th those are fun, but I just printed one out to address uh, to kind of get my mind off of stuff now. And while Enrique or Rodrigo, Roberto, or I'm not sure his name. I'm not trying to be derogatory or weird, but he's gone to Home Depot, and he speaks no English. So 
John is yelling at him, not yelling at him in a bad way, but trying to communicate with now being able to speak Spanish. All right, so here we go. This is from Jesse. Uh, what the fuck? What the fuck are some people doing at the urinal? I work in a corporate audiovisual office, so I am at a lot of nice hotels, resorts in the Orlando area. Occasionally, right while dropping the deuce in a public bathroom, someone walks in, mostly your corporate stereotypes, and they're standing at the urinal just making fucking noises. I've heard random grunts. I've heard some motivational talking to the penis. Quote, come on, here we go. Come on, here we go. Unquote. Some people sound like they were having a fucking orgasm. Uh, don't hold your piss in so fucking long, in parentheses. Today I heard a guy say, quote, oh, fuck yeah, unquote. Really? You're peeing. What the fuck? You also got your farters that just rip big farts while pissing away. Anyway, just an observation. Love the podcast, Jesse. Okay. I have some issues uh, with this letter uh, because that's, I think you're breaking the brotherhood a little bit. All right. That's a sacred space. It's a sacred space. You know, we're, we're allowed to talk to our penises. We're allowed to, to experience feelings of excitement. Uh, farting is uh, completely uh, within the boundaries of what happens in there. Talking, relief. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a sacred, it's, a, it's a sanctuary. And, and I think that, you know, I understand what you're saying, but I've, I've actually been one of these people at the urinals in almost every one of the, your uh, examples. And, uh, you know, pissing is good. It's, it's a tremendous relief and it's a good time. Sometimes I'll hold my pee just so I can feel how the relief. I mean, some, sometimes that's how, uh, how uh, bored I get. Like, you know, I, I got to pee, but I'm going to wait because then it's going to feel great. And uh, I don't have to talk to my, pee, my penis to pee. I think that might be an older gentleman with the prostate issue. I've seen that happen. And I, you know, I generally feel empathy more than what the fuck. That's got, got to be the worst thing. Like, you know, if you lose your taste or you can't pee or you have trouble shitting, I mean, you know, that's, you know, then all systems are going down. I mean, what else do you have? I mean, at the basic level, if everything else goes, at least you have a good pee or a good uh, shit or something nice to put in your mouth and make you feel better. But if those start going, I don't know what the hell to tell you. And my question to you is why, why are you spending so much time in the stall? What's going on in there? I know you spend a lot of times at hotels. It seems that you're a lot, a lot of hotels, and you're in there taking notes about people peeing when perhaps they're saying, what's that guy doing in there? I mean, what the fuck is that guy doing in there listening to us pee? These are questions you might want to ask yourself. I know you said you love the podcast. I appreciate that, and I appreciate your letter. But I just want to say that, you know, this is the, that's a sacred space. All right, I have been, you know, in bathrooms before show, uh, knowing that you know, I'm, I'm, maybe there's a, a guy at the urinal next to me who's going to be in the audience, and you know if you got to fart, you got to fart, and you do it. And I trust that guy. I mean, I trust that guy with my fart. All right, that's a that's a brotherhood. Like he's not like I could be on stage, and if I'm not doing well, he doesn't like me. He could say, "Hey, who you, you're the guy who just farted in the bathroom," which would be very embarrassing. But you know what? That's never happened. You know why? Because that's a sacred space. Okay, what the fuckers, that's our show. I hope you liked it. Uh, it was wonderful hanging out with Eddie Burrell. It was mostly wonderful hanging out with my mother. Uh, please go to punchlinemagazine.com if you want to get up to speed on anything related to comedy. Uh, it's a great website. Or you can also please go to wtfpod.com, get some merch, uh, donate some money, 
subscribe, get yourself a t-shirt, go to justcoffee.coop, put WTF in the coupon box, get yourself some What the Fuck Blend, sign up on the mailing list, and if you could, go to audiblepodcast.com slash WTF5, download yourself a, a free audiobook, if that's what they're calling them now. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and uh, I'll talk to you next time.